Well, tonight is October 17th. Is that right? Just kidding. I was just checking to see if you're awake. Tonight is October 18th, 2017. The, night, the title of tonight's message is Death Benefits. Death Benefits. Would you turn with me to Psalm 116, please? I want us to consider for just a, a quick moment the past few times that we've been together as a church. At the One Association Conference, the first night, for those of you who are there, we learned about how that God puts covenants together for righteousness' sake. It's not about our strengths or weaknesses matching things up according to a Ben Franklin pros and cons kind of tea. What happens is, is that God establishes things for His own righteousness' sake. Our friends from Submission Ministries taught us that we might be outmanned, but we still should be committed. Amen? There's a difference between being in ministry and abounding in it. We learned how to stand in the gap for one another. One of the things that Pastor Zeke said was this. If I'm going to ask my brothers to die for me in my vision, it better be a vision worth dying for. Wow, that, that's still, I'm still chewing on that exact phrase and that exact thought. It's been uh, coming back to me at, at many times each day as I think about that. Pastor Treaster talked about the unity of the brotherhood, being united under the standard of God's word and the standard of the Great Commission. The Arising Church spoke on Isaiah 54, how that we are supposed to enlarge our tents, not just to fit more people, but for more of the presence of God. <laughs> Pastor Justin spoke on having a covenant that every new season should be marked by sacrifice, obedience, and laying down your life for each other. Last week, we heard from Pastor Eric about a jarhead covenant. You guys remember that one? How many of you were here last Wednesday night? Okay, just checking. Talked about Semper Fi, to be eternally faithful. What an incredible series of messages. There was something that kind of, uh, that Pastor threw in at the end of last week's message that I'm, I'm still a little bit blown away by. So I'm going to actually start uh, from where my brother left off then. In Psalm 116, and let's start in verse 12. Are you there with me? How can I repay the Lord for all His goodness to me? Man, that's a great question, isn't it? How can I do this? It seems like the answer should be, yeah, there's no way. But apparently there is a way. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all His people. Now before I get to 15, which is what we're going to focus on in a second, how can I repay, repay the Lord? Pastor Eric started off in Deuteronomy 32. Is this how you repay the Lord? And he ended up in Psalm 116 that says, How can I repay the Lord? Talked about lifting up the cup of salvation, like in a time of communion. Talked about calling on the name of the Lord like Jesus Christ did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Talked about fulfilling our vows to the Lord in front of everyone, much like the crucifixion. And then verse 15 it says this, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. The word there for saints is in the Hebrew, it's 2623. Hasid. 2623 Hasid. It means kind, benevolent, merciful, pious, one who is a saint. Keep your place here in Psalm 116 and turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 3. Jeremiah chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 12. It says this, Go proclaim this message towards the north. Toward the north. Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. 
I will frown on you no longer. Wow, what an interesting way to put that. The Bible says, For I am merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. You know what the word for merciful there is? It's Hasid. Hebrew 26, 23. The same word that is used as saints in Psalm 116 in Jeremiah, they use it as the merciful one. <laughs> Boy, it's easy for us to understand the Lord as the saint, isn't it? Just his perfect, he is perfect in all of his ways. I want you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 22. 2 Samuel chapter 22. And we're going to look at verse 26. Say there when you are there. 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 Golly, some of you guys are... Must take my notes because y'all are there really fast. Second Samuel chapter 22, and we're going to start in verse 26. Is everybody there? Yeah. Amen. It says this. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. In verse 26, it says, To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. You know what the word is there? Hasid. To the saintly, you show yourself to be the ultimate version of a saint, Lord. Let's look in Hebrews. Let's, let's turn now to Hebrews chapter 12. This idea of us looking at the Lord as a saint is an, is an easy one for us to grasp. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Many of you could quote this from memory. And if you can't, you probably should. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. It says this, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him. What was set before Him? Joy. What did He do with that joy? Because of the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. Anything ever been just heavy in your life? You just, you just kind of weighed down with the burdens of life? Get so busy that your mind seems a little scattered at times? You feel, you feel uh, all over the place. you got so many things going on that you can't really feel like you can focus on anything that's before you because you've just got so much going on. It's not that any one of those things are difficult to handle. It's the fact that all of those things are, have to be handled right now. You know what happens to me when I get like that? I, I, get, I get spacey. I get scattered. I, I make mistakes that aren't usually mistakes that I make. I make careless errors. You know, also what I find in my life is that I lose every bit of joy that I have. My eyes have gotten glued to the circumstances around me. I can't tell you. I got so, I got angry yesterday. I have to confess it to you. It wasn't a righteous kind of holy anger. I just got mad. I was at the shoe store. Yeah, need, need I say any more? Yeah. I want, a, I want a size 11 of this shoe. That's all I want. I will literally walk out of here. The second that I get it, I will go pay for it and be done. 45 minutes later, I was like, I don't care if you find it now or not. I'm leaving. <laughs> all my joy was gone. Christy was like, I haven't seen you like this in a long time. I was like, this stupidity is getting to me. I can't handle it. I, 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 cannot, I cannot in this moment handle this any longer. If I don't leave now, I'm going to be rude and turn around and walk away because if I don't, it's just not going to be good. Maybe you've never had that experience, but I had it yesterday. We laugh because we, we can relate to it. 
How in the world? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Yesterday was not me enduring a cross. It was not even a metaphoric cross. It was just a frustration. It had such little import on the whole world, and I almost lost my marbles. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, everybody say joy. Joy. Is your life ruled by joy? Do you have overwhelming, overcoming? When people look at you, do they think, man, that, that person, that person has joy. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider. Everybody say consider. consider. Yeah, you got to think on that, don't you? We might know the verse. We might be able to quote it. But the Bible says to consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. So that you might not what? You might not grow weary and lose heart. Hey, folks. I'm your pastor. I'm your friend. I'm a person who loves each of you deeply. Can I encourage you not to grow weary tonight? To not lose heart. This is a right word for us, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, can you feel it in the room? As we consider him so that we might not grow weary and lose heart. You know why? Because it's easy for us to do that. He can endure the cross. Perhaps that's why the Bible instructs us to keep our eyes on him. Because he knew what to keep his eyes on. And instead of telling us to keep our eyes on joy, he says, yeah, just keep it fixed on Jesus because he's got that part for you. So that you can endure with an excitement, with a joy, that even if it required your crucifixion, precious to the Lord are the, is the death of one of his saints. Precious. He fixed his eyes upon the joy. And we can fix our eyes upon him. Verse 3 says, hey, don't grow weary or lose heart. I, that's, I just want to echo that to you tonight, even at the beginning. I feel like I could stop. For some of you, and that would be sufficient. Just don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. But he died so that we could live. (laughs) If this isn't the case, then 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that we are to be pitied among all people. Would you turn to 1 Corinthians 15? I just want to read a few scriptures there. We're going to start in verse 16. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 16. 1 Corinthians 15 has become one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It reminds me of the reason that we're doing these things. Chapter 15 and verse 16. Are you there with me? Hey, are you there with me more than just finding the scripture tonight? Are you there? Yeah. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. So Paul is starting off with an argument. So here's the argument that goes on that nobody gets raised from the dead. So he's saying, okay, let's, let's play that out to its natural end here. Well, if there's no resurrection, if there's no one's raised from the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised from the dead. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Ever had a time when you just work hard and it is futile? Yeah. I, I've, I've made the example sometimes in, in the workplace where I felt like I was trying to dig my way out with a spoon, but big dump trucks were coming and on the same pile that I was trying to move... A big old dump truck full was getting dumped on it faster than I could get it out. My work was futile. This is the same thing. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. I mean, he's painting this picture like, if there's no resurrection, then we're all in trouble. Live, dead, whatever, you're all in trouble. 
Verse 19, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Wow, without resurrection power, it's pretty pitiful. Everybody say, that's pitiful. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Amen. Whew. Glad we got to the good news there. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For in, as in Adam all die. Everybody say all die. all die. So in Christ all will be made alive. And it goes on and on and gives you a beautiful picture. But let's go back to Psalm 116. Let's read verse 15 again. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. You know what Psalm 116 is really not talking about? Him dying. Psalm 116 verse 15 is really talking about us dying. doesn't say to a saint or to the saint, but he says the saints, not a singular person, not even the Messiah, because in this case, who is it precious to? It's precious in the sight of the Lord, the death of his saints. So he's clearly speaking about us. All those of us who want to give our lives for the very sake of Christ. Would you turn to Philippians chapter 3 with me? Philippians chapter 3. Let's start in verse 7 because it's just an incredible passage. It says this, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Hey, we're going we're to continue to talk about death to ourselves here in just a second based on His death. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Well, that is an easy scripture to read, isn't it? Golly, while we were in worship, that's what I kept feeling in my spirit. But Lord, haven't I given enough to you already? Haven't I sacrificed this, Lord? Are you not going to count those things that I've already sacrificed to you? Yes, he says, it's going to be day and night, night and day, where the incense of your sacrifice, of you being on the altar, must rise up to me. Day and night, night and day. When does that end? Yeah, day and night, night and day. The sacrifices must keep coming. We must continue to work to have anything that we consider as profit. Anything. Say that with me. Anything. anything. Well, that's a tough word, isn't it? Everything. Anything. Those are difficult words for us because we always like to keep a little bit back for ourselves just in case. I consider it lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Wow, when you lose everything, it's really difficult to hear threats, isn't it? Are you still hearing the threats around you? Are you still worried about things? Is your mind so racing on a daily basis that my example from earlier is your normal state? Your thoughts are all over the place. You love the Lord, but you can't hardly string a whole thought together without it jumping from one thing to the next. One little thread that you begin to pull on starts unraveling your whole day. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, refuse, dung, that I may gain Christ and be found where? 
in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. I want to intimately understand who he is and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. He died, not only so that I may live, but he died to show me how to die. Becoming like him in his death. We're going to get to the life part here in a second. The title of tonight's message is Death Benefits. How do you get the benefits for a life insurance policy? Someone must die. Who's the someone before you can get your own death benefits? It has to be you. It has to be me. We have to die. But praise God, Psalm 116 tells us that it's precious in His sight. It is precious when we die for Him on a daily basis. Lord, I'll die for you. Yeah, well, you're going to have to do that every day. Because you will not end your life in some grand act of sacrifice if you aren't constantly being reminded and being like him in his death. And so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 16? This is a familiar passage. The Lord has been bringing it up to us as a church for weeks and weeks now. You know what that means? We better be paying attention. It doesn't mean that we should get tired of it. It doesn't mean that you should skip ahead in what I'm saying because you already know. Perhaps the repetition is a teaching tool that the Lord is using for us. One of the best teaching methods you can have is just to say it again. Just say it again. Yeah, but just do it again. Yeah, but again. Susanna's working with uh, my daughter and teaching Spanish. What a great thing. My daughter comes and brags on you all the time, how much she loves it. And she says, Dad, she will repeat it until I get it. Thank you for doing that well. That's an excellent way. We're going to listen to the repetition that the Lord is speaking to us about out of Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 24. Are you there with me? Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, there are no exceptions, there are no exemptions. This is the way that anyone and everyone must follow him. He must, what? Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow him in his ways. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. Are there areas in your life where you haven't lost it yet? I've lost it. I've been accused of losing it a lot of times. But you know what I'm praying that the Lord shows me lately? Lord, are there areas that I still haven't given up to you? I mean, I know I pastor with a team of men that are covenant partners. Lord, I know I pastor one of the best, the best church that I've ever been a part of. Lord, but there are areas that I still haven't died I still haven't known what it's like to be like you in your death. He was heard because of his what? His reverent submission when he made loud cries out to the Lord in Hebrews 5 and verse 7. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange 
for his soul. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then, everybody say then. Then. He will reward each person according to what he has done. Then you get the death benefits that we're talking about tonight. Then you get a chance to see, and the Lord will reward each man according to what he's done. We can do a chain of scriptures about that, but we all know that that's exactly what it's going to say, isn't it? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 17 is where we're going to be. Actually, let's go ahead and start in verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. It doesn't say we don't want to lose heart. It doesn't say we hope we don't lose heart. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Some of you need to write that on your mirror. Some of you need to encourage yourself with the Scripture because you've been thinking wrongly and you've been losing heart in certain areas. You've become overwhelmed with the waves as they crash around you, with the busyness of life, with what you want to get done. Sometimes it feels like you can't breathe. Have you ever been that way? You've been so busy, you're like, I can't breathe. I, I, I don't know if I can do this. I've got pressure on me and I don't even know why the pressure's there. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. Now, does this bless you or does it make you mad? I don't know. I guess it depends on the day, right? Because what do our troubles not feel like in the moment? Light or momentary? Lord, this feels very heavy and it feels like it will never change. True or not? Anybody feel like that? Oh, today? Yeah. Hey, friends, that's why we get together, is to see God's Word and let it speak down into our hearts, down into our souls, that the death that is occurring in us is a good thing because we're getting to identify with the very death of Christ. And if we do that, then we also get to identify and be a part of the resurrection power that He had. Precious to the Lord are the death of His saints. It is a good thing that you and I die daily. For our light and momentary troubles. Light and momentary troubles. What you are going through is light and it is momentary. It is not heavy. It's not too heavy for you. And it's not going to last forever. They're achieving for us. You know what they're doing in us? They're achieving for us something. What is it? An eternal glory that far outweighs all of the troubles that you just went through. There's a death benefit that you get right here as you realize that you are going through light and Curtis, it's light and momentary. Boy, doesn't that give you encouragement? Doesn't that cause you not to lose heart when you say, hey, it's light and momentary? Cody, light and momentary. Who, now, who doesn't want to go through something that's light and momentary? You're like, I can handle that. Doesn't that cause you immediately to go, so you know what's lying to us? Your emotions. You know what's lying to you? Your perception of the, of the d- difficulties that you're in. You know what's lying to you? Everybody around you who says something different than what the Word of God says. I'm not going to lose heart. Not going to lose heart. Man, a death benefit. Guys, this was, this is easy for me because Pastor Eric already preached this last week. But not so well. Did you hear this at the end of the sermon last week? 
There were so many good things. You know what else was incredible? What, this, the message from Sunday. Co-conspirators and covenant benefits. We've covered the death part, haven't we? Precious to the Lord, precious in the sight of the Lord, is the death of His saints. It's precious when you and I die to Him. Well, that sounds sadistic, except when you understand it scripturally. Lord, this is precious to you. It's not... I, I, I realize I've said this phrase probably too much lately. When somebody wants to explain to me what I don't understand, and believe me, I'm sure in the world there's, there's more that I don't understand than I do. But when someone who's walking in sin and I'm showing them in Scripture what they are not doing correctly, and then they try to tell me, Pastor, if only you understood this, then you would realize why I'm sinning. When I ignore that, when I, when I, when I push back, they, they want to tell me what I, what I don't understand. They want to tell me that I just don't get it. And we're just like, no, we're going to go back to the Scripture because, you know, you're supposed to die anyway. You're supposed to already be dead to these things. Would you turn with me to Psalm 103, and we're going to look at the benefits part of what the Lord is doing in our midst. Amen. Psalm 103. Did that make sense, that little section there? I hope it did. It's good for us to die. It is good for you to die. It is good for you to struggle. It is good for you to have loss. It is good for difficult days to be there because it reminds you that you're still alive in places that you already claimed that you were dead in. Oh, that hurt. Yeah, well, if that's dead, it's not going to hurt anymore, is it? Okay, we're going to keep dying together. Amen? Because we want to be precious. In Psalm 3, now, here's, here's something that I, that I want to go over. Uh, on Sunday's message of co-conspirators and covenant benefits, we learn about the word kashar. We learn about Jonathan and David. Why am I going over these things with you? Because this is what I'm called to do. I am put on this earth to help equip you. You know what our church is, is, is blessed with? Incredible words from the heavens. My gosh. Pastor ended the sermon on Sunday. This was just a few days ago. Three days ago. With a list of seven benefits. that come from God's word and they come right out of Psalm 103. Anybody uh, raise your hand and can quote all seven of those without looking at your notes right now? These are benefits from having a covenant with the Lord. And they're in Scripture, directly out of the Scripture. Anybody? Anybody? Wow. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Um, I need to be reminded of His benefits tonight. Now, the problem is, is whether I give you a list of seven, I looked in, in Dake's reference, because Dake, is a, a guy, he makes all kind of lists. His lists are crazy. It's so much fun to study, because I'm like, well, he'll probably have a list of something. Let me see. 30, 30 benefits from Psalm 103 listed. I was like, whoa, unbeknownst to my son, Gabriel, I said, hey, I want you to look at Psalm 103, Gabe, while I'm working on some other things, and I want you to tell me how many benefits from the heavens that you find. I don't know, Gabe found 24, 25. He combined a few that they could separated, they separated, you know, all that. And I was like, man, you know what is great about a list of 25 or 30? That means that the Lord has a lot of death benefits for us. When we die to ourselves and we give our lives to this covenant kind of lifestyle that we're in and we go after this, He's got all kind of benefits. But I love this because Psalm 103 is going to kind of give us a condensed list. 
It's not exhaustive. It's not every benefit that there is, but he's going to give us a list. You know what I'm worried about, about going through a list of 30 things? You and I don't even remember the seven from Sunday. I'm not trying to make you feel bad or make you feel uh, more culpable for not knowing something. What I'm trying to do is saying, hey guys, there are some incredible benefits. What we're going to do is read through and talk through Psalm 103. And you're going to need to write down a few of these and come back to it to study on your own. And then I'm going to highlight a few for you that stood out to me in my study this afternoon. You know why? Because I want you to remember that there are benefits for the death that we are all trying to achieve. The constant dying that we have, there are actually benefits. You know what we're not trying to do? Is get you to follow a covenant because it's your contractual obligation. We're trying to get you to be involved in the covenants that this place has. Why? Because we know that this is the way of life that the Lord has given us and because there are benefits. Amen. We're not seeking the benefits. We're seeking the Lord and He's got benefits for you, Justin. Mario, man, the Lord has some incredible benefits for us when we do this His way. Are you all ready to look at Psalm 103? Let's look at this together. <clears throat> praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Do you hear the refrain? By the way, you remember what Psalm 103 is, right? It's a song. Maybe we should come up with a song for Psalm 103 so we can remember it and sing it to ourselves when we need to be reminded. We lose some of the mnemonic devices that are here. We lose some of the catchy sound of things going along in a tune. How many of you can sing through Bohemian Rhapsody? Don't raise your hand. I mean, it's amazing. Put some things to music. This is what the children of God were doing. They understood this and can remember this. I have to work a little bit harder at it. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Everybody say all. all. Wow. We're not even going to get them all right now. Who forgives all your sin. This was number one on our list, by the way, Sunday. We could close the Bible now. Praise God. He's forgiven us of all our sins. Let's, let's pray. Let's get the Kenya team up here and let's lay hands on them because, goodness gracious, is that not an incredible benefit? Do you live like all your sins have been forgiven? Or do you allow the enemy to beat you over the head with things? If all your sins are forgiven, um, Tara, would you do me a favor? I'm gonna, we're going to stop right here for just a second. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10. I want to share this with you. I'm going to take a detour here just for a second because we can. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10 on the screen. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. I don't know why this isn't circled in more people's Bibles. I don't understand why every counseling session that you ever are a part of doesn't circle right around this. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Well, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And leaves no regret. How many of you are still regretting some things? You walk around with regrets? If the Lord has actually saved us from and forgiven us of all of our sins, if we've actually shown godly sorrow in our lives, you know what it's supposed to produce in you? No regret. Because it's been put under the blood. He's forgiven us and we trust in Him. But worldly sorrow brings death. Next verse. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. I'm going to teach you what godly sorrow produces real quick. 
because the word gives it to us in a singular verse. What godly sorrow has produced in you? What earnestness? You know what I'm tired of? People who say that they've messed up, but I see no earnestness in them. Here I am again. I messed up again. Where's your earnestness, man? What? Huh? Look at the word. What eagerness to clear yourself. I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Instead of, I I had a, a, a gentleman talk to me this week and say who he wanted to be comfortable with speaking to about his sin problem. I said, you're a wretched, wicked, wicked man. You're prideful and you don't even understand how much you stink to God. You're worried about who you're going to speak to. You're worried about choosing your own counselor or pastor. You're, you're going to tell me who you want to go talk to? What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourself. What in, indignation. Man, why am I focusing on this? Because this is what it should look like. When you actually make a mistake, when you actually sin before the Lord, and He's the one who's already forgiven your sins, this is what it should look like. You should be indignant that there is, there is sin in your life. Not okay with it. Not like I feel kind of bad. You know, feel a little guilty about it. I might upset somebody. Ooh, don't let it, Pastor Eric or Pastor Matt know because they might call me on the carpet. Really? You should be indignant that you are sinning against the God of all creation. Shame on you. And you should feel that. What alarm. You ever been in a place where alarms are going off? You ever been in a place where the alarms are going off so loud that you couldn't think or do anything? Like it scared you. It caused your heart to race by the volume of the alarm. That's what happens. That's what should happen inside of you when you're sitting. There should be an alarm bell that is going off and it is rattling your soul. What, cons- uh, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. Lord, whatever it takes, I've got to make this right. I will pay what needs to be paid. I will allow restitution to come. I will repent and never do this again. I will put up firewalls in my life that can never be breached. That's what godly sorrow looks like. That's what's going to lead to salvation and repentance that leaves no regret. If you're doing that, whoo, at every point you've proven yourselves to be innocent in this matter. Why? Because you took it so seriously. Can we go back to Psalm 103? Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your sins? Man. I want us to feel clean in this place tonight. I don't want us to feel that. I want us to be clean in this place tonight. Because if you are clean, then you will be able to feel His approval. You will be able to feel that you are walking in innocence before the great King. There is some lie from the pit of hell that says, yeah, you're really never going to be clean before Him, so you just need to get comfortable with the unclean feeling that you have. That's demonic, and it will tear you apart. Of course you're supposed to be clean before Him. Why? Because He's forgiven all your sins. And heals all your diseases. As if the, the sin part wasn't enough, that's number one out of 30, folks. We're going to go on and see. He's going to heal your diseases. What an incredible thought. Who redeems your life from the pit. We're going to come back to that one in just a minute. And crowns you with love and compassion. How would you like for the Lord? What is He going to crown you with? Love, His chesed. 
His loving kindness, His compassion. That word there is racham. It's the same word that's used for womb. He is going to crown you with such loving kindness and pure, heartfelt affection for you. That's what He is going to crown you with. Is that not a benefit? Is that not an incredible benefit that the Lord of all creation loves you so dearly? I was talking to Anna, uh, my, my youngest, uh, yesterday. No, it was this morning. I said, Anna, I don't even know if she's going to understand this, but I told it to her anyway. Anna, when I look at you, my heart hurts because I love you so much. I'm like, oh! Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to put words behind that, but that's the way it feels. Just, I love you. I want, I want my girls to know that. I want my son and I want my family to know that their father loves them like crazy. You know how I know how to do that? Because my heavenly father has crowned me with love and compassion. It's a benefit that he provides. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your your youth is renewed. I don't know what I just did. Sorry. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Yeah, you realize that he's not talking about the youth of the eagle, right? <laughs> that your youth will be renewed in a way that shows the strength just like an eagle's strength would be seen. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. You know what a benefit is? Is you get to be and make an impact on all those around you. He works righteousness, zedekah, and justice, mishpat, He works these things out for all the oppressed. You know who that includes? Us. He works it out. Everybody say, God's going to work it out. Man. I'm intentionally going slow on this list because I want it to just soak in just a little bit. Some of you are going to need some of this list in a different way kind of today than you will. Some of these will stand out to you and bless you. Different ones will stand out to different people, so I'm trying to give it due process here because these are the death benefits that the lord provides for all of us as we die in him this is incredible verse 7 he made his ways known to moses and his deeds to the people of israel how important is it for god to make his ways known known to us oh wow that was uh do you not know how to answer that it's everything it means everything his ways versus our ways his ways being higher than our ways, His thoughts being higher than our thoughts. Yeah, we can't forget what we were talking about earlier and joking around about. We get our thoughts all over the place and then we get to something like this saying the Lord will make His ways known and we're like, eh, meh. What? If He will make His ways known to us, man, it's, it's, it's almost like He gives us the mind of Christ or something. It's incredible. The Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger, abounding in love. We know that that it also says this many other times, but it also says in in Exodus 34, 6. Let me just quote that to you from 5, or read that to you from Exodus 34, 5 through 7. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord... The Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger. 
abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Man, this is a beautiful piece. Verse 9 in Psalm 103. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Revelation 12 tells us that the accuser of the brethren now stands. He's cast down. He is hurled down. So we don't have an accuser that's standing there before us. And the Lord's not going to accuse us. So what do you have to worry about? If you are dying rightly before Him, then you get this kind of a benefit. Verse 10, He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Oh my goodness. Or repay us according to our iniquities. You ever felt like you wanted to pay back somebody according to what they had done to you? You ever actually paid back someone according to what they did to you? I know I should do this, but... I know I should do it this way, but that person just doesn't deserve it. You know what I'm finding? It's one of the hardest things in the world to keep getting slapped in the face and trying to respond exactly the way the Lord requires us to. To get spit on, to get accused, to get lamb-blasted by people and go... Lord, thank you that you don't repay me for what I deserve. Verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the love, is his love for those who fear him. Those who fear him. Yeah. Talked to a few people this week, and their biggest problem in their life is they have no fear of the Lord whatsoever. They have not died to themselves in any way. And they are not reaping the benefits that comes from that death. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Do you hear this? What is He saying? As high as the heavens are above the earth. As, as far as the east is from the west. What is He laying out here? He's laying out these dimensions and trying to get us to understand the expanse of God's benefits for us. Have you limited God's benefits in your life just because you don't, you haven't thought about it from the expanse that the Scripture gives us to consider it? How high are the heavens that are above the earth? Uh, it's incalculable, right? How far is east from west? It's incalculable. If you, are, you, are you with me? It's almost like Paul was thinking about this. Can you, uh, Taryn, can you put up Romans chapter 8? Let's start in 37 maybe. I think it'll end up being in 39 what I want, but let's start in 37. Yeah, this is a good place to start. No, in all things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Everybody say more than conquerors. Man, how do you get more than a conqueror? You get some death benefits thrown in there, don't you? More than conquerors through him who loved us. Next verse. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future. Man, we even have a time warp in here. Neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, isn't that a beautiful death benefit? I, I can't imagine that Paul was thinking many other things than, than this passage in Psalm 103 that we're going through. 
Verse 13 in Psalm 103. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those, what? Who fear him. Praise God for the repetition for those who fear him, understanding the prerequisite. Verse 14, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. (laughs) You know that our lifespan is a gift from God? Our lifespan is a gift from God. You know why? Because He wants us... It's precious to Him our death in every way. He wants us to get to a place of rest and getting the full benefits of being in His presence of achieving it and hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant. Verse 17, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him. There it is again, the trifecta. And His righteousness with their children's children. Generations of blessing are a result of walking in the covenant. Psalm, one, Psalm 112, uh, in my mind, I pair that with Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 is the Proverbs 31 wife, right? Men, you ought to take a look at Psalm 112. Can we turn there real quick? We're just a few pages away. Something for the fellows tonight for you to go home and sift through tomorrow. Psalm 112. Blessed is the, uh, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. Almost like he's got joy set before him. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. As you go through this chapter, I think it is giving a clear picture. It is a beautiful picture of manhood right here. And it starts off by praising the Lord, fearing him, following in his commands. And then immediately it speaks of his children being mighty in the land. Let's go back to Psalm 103. Verse 18, with those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His precepts. The Lord has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over all. This is kind of a closing anthem. In the song, this is swelling to a finish here. It's a doxology here at the end of this. Praise the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do His bidding, who obey His word. Praise the Lord, all His heavenly hosts, you His servants who do His will. Praise the Lord, all His works everywhere in His dominion. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Man, can you hear the flourish even in, even in our language? You can hear a flourish, a repetition at the end again, trying to cause us to come to a, a strong close. Now let's go back. I want to bring out a few things for you. And then we're going to step aside and we're going to get the Kenya team up here so we can bless them as a congregation. Would you go back to verse 4 for me? I'm going to pull out three. Everybody say three. You can look at the other 30 that are there and you need to pull out what the Lord encouraged you with as we were just reading through that. If something stood out and went, wow, maybe if it's something you already knew but it just hit you in a way, then you need to go back, church. You need to be good students of the Word and go back and make sure that this is getting down in you. Do not forget His benefits. These are His benefits. In verse 4, it says this. Uh, Actually, I'm going to go back to verse 3. Because we talked about forget-notting, 
forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, and then verse 4, who redeems you from the pit. Wait, I thought you just healed all my, my diseases and forgave me all my sin. Yes. And now, now that I've forgiven you and now that I've healed you, you know what I'm gonna, else I'm going to do? I'm going to get you out of the pit. This must be something different than our sins. Anybody ever had a pitiful day? Man, this is the pits. Golly. (laughs) Have pity. Can't go live in Pittsburgh. No, I don't know. But (laughs) even after you've been forgiven and healed, you still need to get out of a pit? Yes. Yes, that's true. What's the difference between a pit and a grave? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I get to get out of one. (laughs) They don't put the lid on this one. (laughs) I still have a chance to get out. How many pits do you have in your life? How many pitfalls have you tripped into? How many times does the Word of God say that He's got to get us out of the pit, out of the muck, out of the mire, out of the things that, the sin and the things that so easily entangle us? It's almost like He knows exactly what we need. What did 1 Corinthians say? We're to be pitied more than all men if resurrection didn't happen. The pit is our empty way of life. It's our mistakes. It's our difficulties. It's our failures. Would you turn with me to John 11? Talking about getting out of the pit. Come on now, church. You ever been in a pit? Yeah. God. You ever gotten a vehicle stuck in the mud in Mexico for 22 hours? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I had a flashback there. Sorry about that. That was pitiful. Knee deep in sewer water? Man. Truth is, is it's easier when we're in a physical pit, isn't it? Isn't it? Because at least you can see it. At least you can go find somebody and perhaps help you out. What happens on the pits that you're not even quite sure if you've landed in this pit the right way up or upside down? I've had those kind of pits in my life. I think I fell in it head first. God. I can't even breathe or see. I can't hear anything. I'm just stuck. Yeah, the Lord says, I'm going to get you out of this. It's almost like John chapter 11, verse 43. It says this. This is Lazarus being raised from the dead. Verse 43. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I love it. If he just said, come out, everybody come out of that thing. Lazarus, I'm talking to you, man. Get up. Got to call you by name. I love it. The dead man came out. I don't know why they didn't say Lazarus came out. Because at that point, he had really kind of lost his name, right? He had lost his identity because now he's just dead. Are you still waiting on people to call you by name? Or are you okay with them calling you the dead man? Hmm. He can make you alive, but we should still be called the dead men and women. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You mean that God can raise me from the dead and I still be kind of tied up with some things? 
You mean I can get saved and I was a mess before and now what I am is a saved mess? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. You know what it was the job of? It was the job of the community. It was the job of the church. It was the job of covenant partners to fully free him so that he can enjoy the resurrection power that Jesus Christ just laid upon him. It's almost like he needed to get out of a pit. Huh. Let's turn to Luke chapter 17. I hope this is making sense to you. Goodness. Luke 17, and let's start in verse 17. Let's go ahead and back up to verse 15. Luke 17, 15, to give it a little bit better context. The title for this section in my Bible back in verse 11 is 10 healed of leprosy. In verse 15 it says, one of them, everybody say one of them. When he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. Yeah, it's okay to praise him in a loud voice, right? If you've been healed of something like that, you should not be limited in what you do. Some of us in here, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there while I'm, while I'm uh, pastoring you. Yeah, some of us need to be willing to, to praise God in a loud voice. Some of you easily do that. Some of you are far too reserved in this house. Pastor, we got a crazy house. People, people get turned away because they, they can't handle what we're doing. Yeah, amen. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you. Has the Lord done so- anything in your life? Yes. Yes. Well, how about we let him see it? How about we not be so reserved? Some of, yeah, but some of them are dancing. Yeah, but what about you? Maybe it's that you'll show him an exuberance and he'll respond to you with more death benefits. Maybe you die to what you're thinking and what you're feeling in the natural. Well, Pastor, I mean, I just want to be authentic. I don't feel like jumping up and down. Maybe your feeler is broken. I'm going to go with that. (laughs) If you're authentically wrong, we don't need you to be authentic. Do what pleases Him. If you die to self more, I promise you, you'll find more of His benefits. Called out, praising God in a loud voice. He threw Himself at Jesus' feet. That's not very dignified. Yeah, you're right, because He had been healed. He had all His sins forgiven. The Lord is about to pull Him out of a pit. He thanked Him, and He was a Samaritan. I don't even have time to do that part. Focus on that. Amen. Be blessed, Bible students. Verse 17, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Yeah, who is he asking, by the way? Were all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Jesus is preaching, man. Then he said to him, the one, rise and go, your faith has made you well. I thought he had already been healed. How can he be healed and now made well? Maybe he had been healed of his physical problems and the Lord yet had not done everything inside of his heart that needed to be done. Maybe his exuberance, his dying to self even a little bit more, he didn't just stop at getting healed on the outside, he had to be healed on the inside. 
Maybe there was a pit that he was still in and he understood it and went after it. Because the first word talks about a physical healing. The second word here, made you well, is sozo. Salvation is what was brought to him. Come on now. Are you, are you with me tonight? Yes. Salvation was brought to him. He got pulled out of the pit because he pressed in. Turn with me to Exodus 6.6. 6. He forgives all our sins. He heals all our diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. Come on, man. Exodus 6.6. 6. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves. Wait, I thought you just took me away from the Egyptians. Yes. I promise that I will take you out of Egypt. Thank you. And I will bring you out from under their yoke. Aren't that the, isn't that the same thing? Apparently it's not. Apparently you can be healed on the outside and still have need for sozo, for salvation on the inside. Apparently you can be brought back from the dead and still be bound up with some things. Apparently, you can get out of Egypt, but getting Egypt out of you is a much harder kind of thing. And God promises to do both. <laughs> this is about you and me. Having received a great salvation, and now we're learning to walk through our poor choices, failed financial endeavors, lackluster fruit production or the demonic opposition that we constantly face. Whatever it may be that is trying to pull you into a pit, the Lord says, I will redeem your life from the pit. I will get you out of these problems if you continue to die to yourself. Come on, is you, are you getting encouraged tonight by the Word? What pit are you in tonight? What pit have you uh, not sidestepped rightly in your life? Is it financial? Is it just from being in a battle? And you were trying to stand your ground and you realized you were standing in quicksand. What kind of pit does the Lord need to redeem your life from tonight? You know, in the message about jar, head, covenant, you know one of the amazing things about that is that when we get difficult times in our life, Pastor Eric taught us that we should have five names in a jar. How do you get those names in the jar? You live according to covenant. The names in your jar could be considered another benefit of you dying to yourself. You know how you're not supposed to put names in the jar? Uh, this is my roommate, so my roommate gets thrown in there. That's not necessarily who needs to go in your jar. You, you know how else you're not supposed to pick your jar? People who have the same skin color as you. Well, they, they clearly have to be in my jar because they understand. No. When you die to yourself, the Lord gives you the right men to be in the jar. I think if I just serve Him rightly, then a reward, a benefit for serving Him rightly is that He gives me the right men in the jar. Don't just pick random people because Pastor Eric asked you to put five names in the jar. Don't be that silly inquire of the heavens and find out who should be in that jar with you. 
live a life that your name is worthy to be in other people's dark. Live a life that shows that you've died to self and that you're reaping the benefits of that. You do that part and allow God to speak to you clearly about who to put in the jar because those may be the ones that help you to redeem you out of the pit in the days you need it. Amen? Let's, turn, let's uh, look down at verse 10. Everybody turn to verse 10 with me. Back in Psalm 103. Are you with me? Yes. Just a few minutes more. Psalm 103 and verse 10. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. I was reading this earlier to Pastor Eric and Pastor Matt, just going over some of the notes, and I tried to read it three times, and I kept crying in the middle of it. I mean, I kind of had to power through, but I teared up. The thought that he will not treat me as my sins deserve, but what if the sins are piled higher than my head? That's right. That's right. He won't treat you the way your sins deserve or repay you according to your iniquity. He will not do that to us. Turn quickly to Genesis 15.1. Genesis 15.1. It says this, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. What a beautiful revelation the Lord has given this church about this passage, right? Do not be afraid, Abram. <laughs> How many times does the Lord have to speak into your life and He has to start off with, Yeah, don't be afraid. Yeah, every time He talks to me. <laughs> Stop being afraid. Don't be afraid. It's all right. I got you. I am your shield. Who is this speaking? Who is the I there? The Lord. I am your shield and your very great reward. My goodness. Isaiah 62, 11. Let me just read it to you. The Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to the daughters of Zion, See, your Savior comes. See, His reward is with Him. And His recompense accompanies Him. To reward the righteous, to punish the wicked, it is there both in His hands as He comes. Revelation 22, verse 12, says this, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. He's not going to repay us according to what, he des what we deserve or according to our iniquities, but He's got benefits as long as we stay, <laughs> as long as we die and stay dead in Him. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Let's turn to verse 14 in Psalm 103. For my final one that I'm going to highlight to you because these bless me the most today. And I hope they bless you as well. Verse 14 says this, For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Can you switch it to New American Standard real quick? For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Is that possible for you to do, Tara? No. Okay, amen. Well, then we're just going to move on. God remembers how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Um, why did I pick this one as a benefit? Because I think it's absolutely beautiful. He's not confused on how he made us. Genesis 3.19, By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. 
Can you look with me? Everyone turn to Genesis chapter 2. You forget that you're made out of dust sometimes? What would it look like to forget that you're made of dust? Yeah, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do a lot of things. His benefit is that he never forgets that we're made out of the dust. That is a benefit to you and me, for him to never forget that. Look at Genesis 2 and verse 7. The Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. You know what's good about the Lord remembering that we're dust? Is he also remembers that he has to breathe in us before we can do anything worthwhile. If he remembers that we are dust, then he remembers that he has to breathe into us. If we remember that we are dust, we remember that he has to breathe into us before we can accomplish anything. Turn, to, turn with me to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. Let's look at verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies uh, to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens... Everybody say consider. Consider. Mm, When I remember all your benefits. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. (laughs) The psalmist here is saying, Hey... Since we're dust, man, what is it that you even remember us? But this is part of God's benefit to us is that he knows that and loves us excessively anyway. His love and compassion is, what's cr- is what has crowned us. Let's turn to a few other scriptures in closing. Second Corinthians chapter 3. You know what I hear sometimes from some of us in the room? I hear an incredible word. By the way, when I went over our sermons... Those were just from the One Association Conference and our Sunday or Wednesday service. It doesn't include seven sermons that you heard on Monday night. Yeah, it doesn't include your Bible studies in your own homes. It doesn't include a lot of things. And with the great multitude of words that we receive here in this place that are beautiful. You know what I hear from some of you? I hear our confidence getting shaken. I hear the enemy trying to steal the beauty of what's being taught to you because you're like, golly, I can't measure up to that. Golly, I can't measure up to that either. (sighs) Just one more thing that I'm failing at. Do you understand that our words to you are not to remind you of one more thing that you're failing at? Hey, the death benefit here is that the Lord knows you're dust anyway. He knows that you and I are dust. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's start off in verse 4. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. How's your confidence tonight? It's not about your personality, whether you feel like you're a bold, confident human being. I'm talking about your spirit, man. How sits it with your soul tonight? Are the words that have been designed to only build you up, to only empower you, to only give you the right kind of armor and weaponry to battle the gates of hell? Is it somehow now becoming a burden as the armor sits upon your shoulders? 
he remembers that we are just dust. But he wants to breathe into you so that you can become a true living being. Have you forgotten that you're dust? Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Look at me. If He's made you competent, then you need to instruct your mind. You need to take every thought captive. You need to make your emotions bow down to these scriptures in submission to the authority of the word of Christ. If he has made you competent, who are we to say that we're not? Hmm. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Can you put this on the screen for us, Tara? So do not throw away your confidence. You mean this is something that's disposable? Yes, it's disposable. You can throw it away. (coughs) Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. Everybody look at me. You need to persevere. You know how we can persevere? Because we have so many more benefits than we can even wrap our minds and our hearts around. We need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive his benefits, what he's promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. What you're not supposed to hear is, oh my gosh, I'm probably going to shrink back again. What you should hear is, he's giving me benefits so that I never have to shrink back. Stay with me for another minute or two. Let's not let distractions pull us off of what we're doing right now. Because some of you, this is going to be life to your soul. It's going to save you from shrinking back and having the Lord be displeased with you. He remembers that you're dust. If you just stick it out, if you just continue to move forward, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you think, if you continue to press on into Him and go, yep, I feel like I'm dead. Good. You're dying. This, you're doing it right then. Let Him breathe into the dust that is you and let you rise up and move forward in the Lord. Verse 39, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Um, I wanted you to be reminded of the death benefits, the benefits that come from the covenant. This should be encouraging to you. It should challenge you not to let those whispers of the enemy pull you down. There are some in here, there's not any of us in here who don't have to fight with these things at different points. If you, if you don't have to struggle with some of these things, then you're just not in the fight. The enemy will just leave you alone because you're, you're, you're doing nobody any harm off to the side. If you're in the fight, then these are normal things. And the Lord has benefits for you as you continue to die. Would you stand to your feet with me?